Folks, it is a joy to be with you this morning at Poplar Springs. It is a joy to come every time I have an opportunity to come to Poplar Springs, but especially a joy this morning. So, Trey, thank you for leading us to worship choir. Thank you, guys. Y'all please give all of these folks a, a hand. Because they have reminded us of why we're here. They've reminded us in song this morning in various ways of what the truth is. And really, it kind of opens the door for what I would like to talk about this morning. I do want to, before I launch into this message, just say to you, it is a joy to be here. I want to bring you a greeting from all of your sister churches that make up the Chattahoochee Baptist Association all across this part of Northeast Georgia. 81 congregations, different languages, different sizes, different types. In every place, the Lord Jesus is being worshiped this morning just as he is right here at Popper Springs. So let me ask you to open your Bibles to the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Kevin got up and read a few minutes ago from the 40th chapter of Isaiah. And as he did, he started out with one of the verses I want to start out with in just a couple of minutes here. As I talk to you about remembering, we've been remembering the great truths of our faith as we sing this morning. And it is a joy to stop and remember those things. I don't know if you're like me, but I need to because I tend to get disconnected from them just living in the world we live in and as busy as it is and all the things we have to see to and watch after and all the different messages that hit us all the time. I don't know if you're like me or not, but I tend to get disconnected. Now think about that. Um, my wife and I, anybody here ever been to it? There's a restaurant up in Habersham County called Glen Ella Springs. Anybody ever been to Glen Ella Springs? Yeah, some of you have. Well, if you have, you know, it's kind of hard to find. I mean, you got to know where you're going to get there. We'd been there one other time. It was like our Valentine's Day date. So big deal, right? And we'd been there one other time, but it's years ago, and I had looked it up on a map how to get there, and I had it figured out. We had an appointment of a reservation at a certain time. We had to get there at a certain time. And, and so we're on the way up there, and I don't know exactly what happened, but there was some accident that shut down 365, completely shut down the highway. And so they forced us off into a detour in some of the back roads out there in Habersham County. And I reached over like anybody would do and pulled out my cell phone and put on the GPS. And we're, you know, we're taking these turns and going different places, trying to get around this detour. And it dawns on me. Y'all ever had a situation where your GPS, I, a lot of us probably use GPS to get wherever you want to go. We've all had situations where, I mean, it takes you to completely the wrong place. I mean, I've had that happen, but most of the time it works. And on this particular moment, I needed it to work because we had a reservation. We had to be there at a certain time. And if I, you know, I'm now off of the beaten path, I don't know how to go where I'm going. And it dawns on me, what would happen if I get disconnected? I'm out in the middle of Habersham County, out in the country, and this is a pretty high likelihood, and I'm thinking, what happens if I get disconnected? Now, you know what happens. If you get disconnected in a situation like that, you're lost. I mean, you start to make the best turns you know how to make, but there's no guarantee you're going in the right direction. Probably you miss your reservation. Probably your wife gets mad at you. Probably Valentine's Day is a complete disaster. I mean, I don't want to get disconnected. But I'm thinking, what happens if I get disconnected? Now, the truth is, I'm not here today to talk about whether or not you and I are connected to a GPS or make some appointment somewhere. But it dawns on me, even as we stop and we sing about the truths of our faith, 
how easy it is to get disconnected from things that really do matter. And what happens to me if I get disconnected from the truth, not just about our faith, but about myself? But what happens if I get disconnected? What I mean by that is what I think is true is not actually true. If I get disconnected from the truth about the world I live in, I get disconnected from the truth about who I am, I get disconnected from the truth about what's right, what's wrong. I mean, I guess it's the same thing that would happen to me if I'm physically in a car, disconnected from the GPS. I'll start to make the best turns I know how to make, but I'm liable to get pretty badly lost if I get disconnected from the truth. And this morning, I want to talk about not just truth in general, but the most basic truth. What happens to me if I get, and I do sometimes, maybe you do too, if I get disconnected from the truth about God? I mean, that the most basic reality? Now, I said a minute ago, it's easy for me to get disconnected, not just from a GPS. It's easy for me to get disconnected from remembering the truths of our faith, remembering the truth about what's right and wrong. It's easy. There's a lot of noise in the world. It's very easy for me to get disconnected from the truth about God. That we live in a world these days that has very high opinions of men and women, human beings, or we're very impressed with our technology But most of the world we live in is not very impressed with God. I wish I could say that I always am in absolute focus when it comes to remembering who God is and what He's like, but that would not be the case. I wish I could tell you that I always know, always, without a shadow of a doubt, that He's worthy of my absolute best. Never tempted to give Him less than that, but that wouldn't be true. I wish I could tell you that I always know that God is going to be sufficient for whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm likely to face. Never have to be afraid, but that wouldn't be true. I wish I could tell you that I I always know that God is going to be faithful to me, will not forget me, will not abandon me. I wish I could tell you that I'm absolutely sure all the time, but I'm not. Sometimes it's like my GPS just drops. I lose touch with all of that. And when I start losing touch with all of that, let me tell you, I can make some pretty terrible wrong turns. And you can too. You know, every so often in life, you and I need to reconnect with the truth, the truth about what our faith teaches us, the truth about all the way down to the most basic things, the truth about who God really is. And so this morning, as we look at this 40th chapter of Isaiah, I want to start out reading where Kevin started a minute ago with the 27th verse, because when I read this verse, as the prophet describes the kinds of things he's hearing from the people of Israel, he says, why do you say, why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, quote, my way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God. Listen to that. Does that sound like something you might say sometime? God's not paying attention. My way is hidden from the Lord. 
I mean, the justice due me escapes the notice of God. I mean, God is not paying attention. It's almost like a symptom where Isaiah listens to what they're saying and he says to himself, you guys have forgotten who God is. That's why you're saying those things. That's why I say stuff like that when I get disconnected from who God is. And it's why it matters so much for you and I every so often to go back to the very basics and remember the truth about who God is. And that's what much of the 40th chapter of Isaiah's prophecy is about. He's helping those people reconnect, remember. And I want to do that this morning with all of you because I need it. Because I think everybody needs it. And so this morning, let's just take several questions. We'll, we'll go through this whole topic, reconnecting with God on the basis, just a few questions. And the first one is a question that God himself asks through the prophet. Because if you read, if you look in the 25th verse or the 18th verse, either one, it says it exactly this way twice. And the first question I would ask is, what is God like? What does the Bible tell me that God is like? And I almost said, you know, how big is God? But the truth is, I just used the exact words that are in the text. If you look in the 25th verse, God says, To whom then will you liken me? It comes straight from the words of Scripture. This question we're asking this morning in trying to reconnect with the truth about God What is God like? To whom then will you liken me in the 25th verse or 18th verse? The same words. God asks the people of Israel to compare him to things so that they can remember who he really is. To whom then, he says, will you liken me? So, since God asked that question, let's start where God invites us to start this morning. And ask this question, what is God like? What can we compare God to in order to remember who he is? So this morning, let me just ask you, if I were to say, what would you compare God to? To whom then will you liken me, God says. And you think about the most powerful things you've ever encountered in this life. How does God compare to those? Now think about when I asked that question, when I was a pastor, we had a couple of guys in our church who had played in the National Football League. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, these guys were massive. I mean, you ever been to uh, an Olympic weightlifting competition, stand next to one of these bodybuilders, it's like, and you feel just like, whoop, just real tiny, standing next to these guys. I mean, I would, I would shake hands with one of these guys, and he would stick out his hand, and it was like my hand would disappear in his hand when I'm trying to shake hands with him. He was like a powerful guy. And I would walk away from that encounter, I would say, wow, this guy is powerful. And he was compared to me. (laughs) Very powerful. But if I stand him up next to a bulldozer and I turn it on and I begin to push, he pushes one way and I'm pushing the other, he doesn't look very powerful very long. It wouldn't be long before I would say, you know, you're not powerful at all. I would say, this bulldozer, that's what's powerful. Wow. And it is. 
It is. You could push over an entire tree effortless, like a matchstick. And I might be impressed with that until somebody, you know, tells me the story, shows me a photograph of an atomic explosion that, that layers acres, just lays over acres of trees in an instant, vaporizes that bulldozer. You can't even see it anymore. And now that I'm not so impressed with the bulldozer, I am impressed with this atomic blast. And I think to myself, wow, now that is powerful. And it is, but only till you compare it to the next thing. I mean, if I were to say this morning, if any of us could get, you know, we're, we look at the sun from 96 million miles away, the sun can burn our skin, you know, and you, you think about that sort of inferno that takes place in the sun constantly all the time. You think about the power that holds entire worlds in its sway and this atomic blast that I'm talking about that I think is so powerful it's like a pinprick not even noticeable and suddenly I turned and I say no no that's powerful it's like it's one of the smallest suns in our galaxy and it's like God asked the question to whom then will you liken me? And I can list one thing after another and talk about how powerful they are, but they're only apparent, apparently powerful until I begin to compare them to something else. So what happens when we do that with God? I read the text. The passage, verse 25 and 26, says, To whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. Scientists tell us there's something like 200 million stars just in our Milky Way galaxy. 200 million. If we talk about the universe as a whole, the known universe, it's a, it's a 10 with to the 25th power, 25 zeros out there. It's our best guess. And I read the words of this text and it says, he calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might, the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. He calls them all by name. And every husband in this house today knows what it's like when your wife sends you to the store and you stand in the aisle and she's given you three things to remember. And it's like, and I stand there and it's like milk and bread and well, one other thing. I can't even remember that. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his power, not one of them is missing. You and I are so easily dwarfed. We're so easily overwhelmed. I mean, you stand at the edge of some mountain and look at it and you're just dwarfed by it. You, you, you stand at the edge of some ocean and you're just dwarfed by it. When I read the words in verse 12, as it speaks about this God we worship who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. It's as if it doesn't even require his entire hand, just the hollow. He can measure all the waters of the globe in just that tiny space. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span, calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains 
in a balance in the hills in a pair of scales. What is God like? And have I somehow become disconnected with the truth so that I am no longer impressed? You know, we can think in terms not just of God's power, but also of his significance, because Isaiah has a lot to say about that as well in answering this question, to whom then will you liken me? So think about the most significant events, the most significant things you can imagine in human life. How does God compare to those things? I I don't know, maybe the invention of the printing press. I mean, it changed the world. It allowed us to take knowledge, put it on paper so it could pass from person to person. It changed everything. Pretty significant. Or maybe a Something like the discovery of the uh, discovery of America <laughs> in that day and time, like as if we would have found people on the moon. It's like they had never known there was a whole continent over there. It just changed the map, changed everything. It, it's pretty significant. I don't know. Second World War redrew the map of the world. The com- invention of the computer, which has changed all our lives, and 9/11 changed the course of history. The, the election of some president, some great ruler, go on and on and on. Significant events, but how does God compare? I read in verse 21, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing. Vladimir Putin, Kim Il-sung, whoever the president is right now in any country, wherever, he it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. I read in verse 15, the Bible says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. You know, I'm like you. I, I got on the scales this morning at my house. I weigh every morning. I want you to imagine this situation. You get on the scales and you weigh, as happens to me sometimes, and you don't like what it says. And so, you know, you like a recount. <laughs> you want to re- let's let's recalibrate this and so I'm telling somebody about it and it's like I got on the scales this morning and as I was on the scales I looked over and there was a little speck of dust and it was kind of floating in the air and it landed on the scales and it's like see there that doesn't count I get a revote because there's a speck of dust that landed on the scales it changed the you know it changed the the route the, it changed the reading so I I get a revote and you say to me that's ridiculous <laughs> you say that's ridiculous it's, it's inconsequential. It's a speck of dust. But I read the text here and it says, Behold, the nations. Now this does not mean that God does not care about the nations. 
It's speaking comparatively, and it says, Behold, the nations, the accumulated concerns of what? Eight billion people are like the last drop that falls out of the glass, just one, the la- not what was in it, just that last drop. They're accounted like a speck of dust, the accumulated concerns of eight billion people in comparison to God are like a speck of dust that lands on the scales. They don't even register. They don't even matter. To whom then will you liken me, God says. And I think at this point, the answer ought to become clear. To whom then will we compare God? To whom then will we liken God? And the answer is to nothing. There is nothing that you have ever experienced or that you ever will experience in this world that begins to come close to being able to compare with God in His power or His significance or in any other level. It's as if you're a teacher and you are trying to assess the intelligence of some kid and you look up finally just helpless because you say, there are no measurements We have no instruments by which to measure the intelligence of this child. It's as if you're an Olympic judge and someone's running the 100-yard dash. You've got a stopwatch and it's like, sing like that. It's like the stopwatch is irrelevant. It cannot measure speed of this type. It's as if you're a banker and you're counting the money and you look up helpless because you say, we've run out of numbers. We've run out of numbers. We cannot measure this. To whom then will you liken God? To no one and to nothing. Listen, even the biblical analogies that God gives us, it's certainly true that we would not be able to liken God to anything in our world and even come close. When we do, we've lost touch with who God is. We are no longer living in touch with reality. We've begun to worship a substitute, a false God, a small God, and it poisons our lives. The truth is, even the biblical analogies that speak of God In truth, God is a father. God is a great king. None of them can come close to the absolute truth. They all can only tell us apart. One aspect. We cannot describe God. Understand and grasp who he is. We can only stand in awe of him. The truth is... The problem for us is we do. We do liken God to something. Most of us. We liken God to a kindly old grandfather in our minds. That's how we think of it. We may liken God, compare God mentally to some great king. That's how we think of him. But all of our analogies fall short. The truth is God is not limited God is not limited in his power. He's not limited in his significance. He's not limited in his ability to manage the the issues of your life or mine. The psalmist says, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills from whence shall my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, who has no limits, 
Paul says in Romans, if God be for us, if God be for us. He never says we don't have opponents or people who are opposed to us, but he just says they don't matter. If God be for us, this God, if God be for us, who matters? Who else matters? Who can be against us? It's like David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not the government, not my employer, not myself. The Lord is my shepherd. What's the consequence of that? I shall not want. Because God will be sufficient. It changes everything. This, this perspective, this God who defies comparison, the real God, this God who defies comparison has chosen to know you, has chosen to love you, has chosen to watch over you changes everything. Don't ever get disconnected from that. Don't ever substitute some smaller version of God for the real one. Because it poisons life. Now the second question I want to look at with you this morning is not just what is God like. We'll never be able to answer that adequately. We can just stand in awe of Him. Worship Him. But it brings to mind this second question, how do we respond to God? You know, I said a minute ago, if, if we lose touch with the truth in our cars with the GPS, or we lose touch with the truth, maybe I've got dementia, you know, I begin to make all kinds of crazy decisions because I'm no longer in touch with reality. How does that play in terms of the decisions we make and how to respond to God? We've lost touch with the truth. And I want you to imagine this morning you leave the house, I mean, you leave the church here, you go to your house, and you, as you're pulling up to the subdivision entrance, you look down the road, and there's an ugly black plume of smoke coming up from one of the houses, not too far from where yours is. And you turn, and you're going down the road, I hope it's not my house, I hope it's not, but then you get close, well, lo and behold, it is your house. And there's fire coming out the windows and you pull into the, you know, right in front of the house and you jump out, you're standing there and you can hear the sirens from the firemen and the fire engine roars up and pulls into your driveway and these guys pull out, they've got on their slickers and their hats and all this and they, and they run up to your house and they pull out and reach in their pockets and they pull out a squirt gun. <laughs> and you stand there and you're saying, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? should imagine today you've got a friend. God forbid, I hope this is not true, but imagine you've got a friend and you call them up on the phone and they give you the news that they've been to the doctor and the doctor says they've got cancer. It's raging through their body. And if they will have surgery immediately, there is a chance they could save their life, they could live a normal life. And they say to you on the phone, well, you know what, the doctor told me I should have surgery, but I... I really got a vacation planned, and I was really hoping to go see this new movie that's coming out next week. <laughs> You're thinking to yourself, what are you doing? Just imagine you go home today, you turn on the TV, and you're looking at pictures from the news media of some foreign army that is invading our country. 
I mean, they're unloading the boats out in California, tanks and missiles and guns and whole armies of people, and their president comes on the screen and he says, you know, I've commissioned a study. We're gonna commission a, a study to see what's really happened. And it's like, and you think to yourself, what are you doing? See, all three of those scenarios, the fireman with the squirt gun, the friend who is delaying the surgery or avoiding it, the president who just commissions a study instead of calling out the military, it's like you think to yourself, those responses are absurd. I mean, it might make sense to you, but it, it's ridiculous. You are out of touch with reality. And I wonder sometimes if when it comes to how we worship God and how we respond to God, if we are out of touch with reality. See, Isaiah, when he talks to the people in Israel, he brings up this topic of worship. In the 16th verse, he says, in the 15 we read a minute ago, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. And then he says, Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. Now, the background for that is, is the Hebrew worship. He talks about its beasts being enough for a burnt offering. The background is how they would worship God. The way they would worship God in their day was that you brought an animal as a sacrifice. And you didn't bring just any animal. You, you brought an unblemished, a spotless animal because this was a, a statement. To bring anything less would have indicated that you had no respect for God. And I imagine in their day and time, they were probably like us. They would go through the motions. They would do what was expected. They would bring their sacrifice. They would check that box, did what was expected of me. And Isaiah's kind of calling attention to this and saying, you know, don't think that when you check the box, that that is all that's necessary or that that is an appropriate response to God. Even Lebanon, he says, is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough. So the image there is an image, it's as if Isaiah is saying that the world, let's imagine that the, the world is a temple. Let's imagine that Lebanon, with all its forest, I mean, you've heard of the cedars of Lebanon? Ever heard of the cedars of Lebanon? He says, imagine that Lebanon, with all its forest, is the altar. And every tree in those forests, every tree, is the fuel that you would light. Set the whole country on fire. And not just one animal is given as a sacrifice, but all the, the millions of animals in that nation burn it all up. He says, even that, even Lebanon is not enough. If you understand who God is, if you respond to him in a way that is in touch with reality, even that would not be enough, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. So let's don't imagine that when we come to church that we've 
done God a favor, that we checked the box, that this is somehow sufficient. It would indicate that you and I are not in touch with the truth. We have forgotten who this God is and what he is worthy of. If I contrast the right kind of worship, if you look in, you think in the passage in the fifth chapter of Exodus and the second verse, there's that passage where Moses and Aaron have challenged Pharaoh to let God's people go. The first verse says, And afterward Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. Besides, I will not let Israel go. Put it in a sentence as succinctly as I know how. Pharaoh was unimpressed with God. Like most Americans. Like far too many church members like me in my worst moments when I get disconnected unimpressed with God so that I feel like I've done God a favor if I show up at church unimpressed with God so that you know I I go through the motions and I think to myself I don't know if I should have to give Or if I do, why should I give that much? I look for ways to give less because I think less of God. Unimpressed with God. You know, I think about those wise men who came on the... The Bible tells a story of wise men who came from a far country to worship the Christ child, and they brought gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think to myself sometimes, goodness, if they had known who that was, what would they have brought? We come to church. We sing the songs, thank God, I need them. I need to open the word. I need to remember who God is. I need to remember that the way I respond to him, I will never be able to give him a worship that approximates or comes close to what he's deserving. I'll never be able to give gifts that come close to what he deserves. But God forbid that I would ever give something less than my best. God forbid that I would ever give a gift or an offering that is just a rote rule or a law or a percentage, anything short of love. At the end of the day, that's what God's given us. So the last question this morning, what can we expect from him? I started out with the verse, the 27th verse, where Israel is saying, 
certain things and Isaiah mimics them. He says, why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. The justice do me escapes God's notice. He's not paying attention. The answer is they've forgotten who God is. We have too. Too many times we are worshiping a substitute of the real God. It's like the God of the Hallmark movies who is full of sentiment but no power. Billions of people in the world today worship their idea of God is a, very different from the Christian viewpoint. Their idea is a God who is the ultimate scorekeeper, detached, unknowable, disinterested. A million miles from the true God who pours himself, who loves us to such a degree that he pours himself into an infant's flesh. He becomes a human being. He steps up and takes upon himself the guilt that I have, the guilt that you have. Does that look like disinterest? He pays on the cross for my sin and yours and invites us to respond to that love. And promises that if we will, that he will watch over us now and eternally. Verse 28 in this passage, Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength. This is his nature. It's who he is. He doesn't subtract from your life. He gives strength, forgiveness, wholeness, peace, purpose direction. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths or young men grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Do you want to know the key to experiencing the strength that God has for you? The blessing that God has for you? in that little word, they that wait. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. It doesn't just mean people who delay action. It means people who remember who God is. Who refuse to forget who God is. I've said at the beginning of this message, this is about how you and I reconnect with God, which we need to do from time to time. But I probably should say that for some of us, it's not reconnecting with God, it's connecting with God for the very first time. Understanding that He is is a God who determines what is true and right. He is a God of ultimate power. He's a God who is your creator. And we connect with Him for the first time by acknowledging that. And we are not God. We're dependent on him for life. We're dependent on him for salvation, forgiveness. There is no other source. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. We wait upon the Lord. It means we remember who God is. It means we daily stand in awe of God. We never let ourselves lose sight of that. If I could give you one thing as a child of God that you can do that makes a huge difference and will continue to make a huge difference in your life from this point on. It would be before you put your hand on the doorknob to go to work every day, before you leave your house, you spend time with God long enough and rich enough 
until you are in awe of him. And you don't get that in a 90-second devotion. You make sure that before you go to meet the day, you are standing in awe of God. You are in touch with reality. Not living in some false reality whatsoever. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. You do that, it will renew your strength every day. People who remember who God is, who stand in awe, who expect that God will supply whatever the need is, who continue in worship, who obey even when they're tempted to take shortcuts because they remember who God is. Let me just encourage you this morning. If you need to go home today and just wall yourself off in a room and go through this passage and read it again, if you need to make a commitment, just to be still. Wait upon the Lord till you remember who He is. It'll be a great use of your time. If you've never connected to this God in the first place, you've never trusted Him to become your source, your Savior, of the work of Jesus on the cross, I want to invite you to do that this morning. If you need to join this church and say, I want to connect with the God that's worshipped here Sunday by Sunday, and I want to connect with these people and worship with them, do life with them, you come. Just a minute, we're going to have a hymn invitation. Trey's going to come and lead us as we sing. Kevin and Fletcher will be here to receive you at the front. If you need to join this church to connect with God for the first time or to reconnect, we dedicate your life to him. You come as God leads you this morning. Let's all stand for our invitation hymn. You come as God leads you.